This is day 14 of our Bible reading. Today we'll be going through Exodus chapters 16 through 20. Heavenly Father, thank you for being good to us. Thank you for your law, which is good to us as well. And thank you for showing us your standards and holding us accountable to our standards that we may serve you honorably and do what is right in your eyes. Please help us today as we read your word that we would not wrestle with it, but that we would accept it with gladness. In Jesus' name, amen. Then they set out from Elim, and all the congregation of the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin which is between Elim and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after their departure from the land of Egypt. The whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The sons of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instruction. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the sons of Israel, At evening you will know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your grumblings against the Lord. And what are we that you grumble against us? Moses said, this will happen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and bread to the full in the morning. For the Lord hears your grumblings, which you grumble against him. And what are we? Your grumblings are not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, Come near before the Lord for he has heard your grumblings. It came about as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the sons of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I have heard the grumblings of the sons of Israel. Speak to them, saying, At twilight you shall eat meat. And in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So it came about at evening that the quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew evaporated, behold, on the surface of the wilderness there was a fine flake-like thing fine as the frost on the ground. When the sons of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. 
And Moses said to them, It is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, every man, as much as he should eat. You shall take an omer apiece, according to the number of persons each of you has in his tent. The sons of Israel did so, and some gathered much, and some little. When they measured it with an omer, he who gathered much had no excess, and he who gathered little had no lack. Every man gathered as much as he should eat. Moses said to them, Let no man leave any of it until morning. But they did not listen to Moses, and some left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and became foul, and Moses was angry with them. They gathered it morning by morning, every man as much as he should eat, but when the sun grew hot, it would melt. Now on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. When all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, then he said to them, This is what the Lord meant. Tomorrow is a Sabbath observance, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake, and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over put aside to be kept until morning. So they put it aside until morning, as Moses had ordered, and it did not become foul, nor was there any worm in it. Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. It came about on the seventh day that some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore he gave bread for two days on the sixth day. Remain every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. The house of Israel named it manna, and it was like coriander seed, white, and its taste was like wafers with honey. Then Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer full of it be kept throughout your generations, that they may see the bread that I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar and put an omer full of manna in it, and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony. To be kept. The sons of Israel ate the manna forty years until they came to an inhabited land. They ate the manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Now, an omer is a tenth of an ephah.
Then all the congregation of the sons of Israel journeyed by stages from the wilderness of Sin, according to the command of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim. And there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and they grumbled against Moses and said, Why now have you brought us up from Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do to these people? A little more, and they will stone me. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pass before the people, and take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand your staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He named the place Massa and Meribah because of the quarrel with the sons of Israel, and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Then Amalek came and fought against Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose men for us and go out. Fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will station myself on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Joshua did as Moses told him and fought against Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. So it came about when Moses held his hand up that Israel prevailed. And when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. Then they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. Thus his hands were steady until the sun set. So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this in a book as a memorial and recite it to Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and named it, The Lord is my banner. And he said, The Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war against Amalek from generation to generation. Now Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Moses' wife, Zipporah, after he had sent her away, and her two sons, of whom one was named Gershom. For Moses said, 
I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. The other was named Eliezer, for he said, The God of my father was my help, and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness, where he was camped, at the Mount of God. He sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law, Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and your two sons with her. Then Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, and he bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had befallen them on the journey, and how the Lord had delivered them. Jethro rejoiced over all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel in delivering them from the hand of the Egyptians. So Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of Pharaoh, and who delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods. Indeed, it was proven when they dealt proudly against the people. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law before God. It came about the next day that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood about Moses from the morning until the evening. Now when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge, and all the people stand about you from morning until evening? Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people came to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, it comes to me, and I judge between a man and his neighbor, and make known the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing that you are doing is not good. You will surely wear out both yourself and these people who are with you, for the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. Now listen to me. I will give you counsel, and God be with you. You be the people's representative before God, and you bring the disputes to God. Then teach them the statutes and the laws, and make known to them the way in which they are to walk and the work they are to do. Furthermore, you shall select out of all the people able men who fear God, men of truth, those who hate dishonest gain, and you shall place these over them as leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. Let them judge the people at all times, and let it be that every major dispute they will bring to you, but every minor dispute they themselves will judge. 
so it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure. And all these people also will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, heads of thousands and heads of fifties and hundreds and tens. They judged the people at all times, the difficult dispute they would bring to Moses, but every minor dispute they themselves would judge. Then Moses bade his father-in-law farewell, and he went his way into his own land. In the third month after the sons of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that very day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. When they set out from Rephidim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. And there Israel camped in front of the mountain. Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the sons of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people, and set before them all these words which the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will come to you in a thick cloud, so that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe in you forever. Then Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. The Lord also said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their garments, and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. You shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, Beware that you do not go up on the mountain or touch the border of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through. Whether beast or man, he will not live. When the ram's horn sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people, and they washed their garments. He said to the people, 
Be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. So it came about on the third day, when it was morning, that there were thunder and lightning flashes and a thick cloud upon the mountain and a very loud trumpet sound, so that the, all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was all in smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire, and its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked violently. When the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him with thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Go down, warn the people, so that they do not break through to the Lord to gaze, and many of them perish. Also, let the priests who came near to the Lord consecrate themselves, or else the Lord will break out against them. Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you warned us, saying, Set bounds against the mountain and consecrate it. Then the Lord said to him, Go down and come up again, you and Aaron with you. But do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, or he will break forth upon them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. Then God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, or any likeness of what is in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them, or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor, and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You or your son or your daughter, your male and your female servant, or your cattle, or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your mother and your father, that your days may be prolonged in the land 
which the Lord your God gives you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. All the people perceived the thunder and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, and when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. Then they said to Moses, Speak to us yourself, and we will listen. But let not God speak to us, for we will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid, for God has come in order to test you, and in order that the fear of him may remain with you, so that you may not sin. So the people stood at a distance while Moses approached the thick cloud where God was. Then the Lord said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, You yourselves have seen that I have spoken to you from heaven. You shall not make other gods besides me, gods of silver or gods of gold. You shall not make for yourselves. You shall make an altar of earth for me, and you shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen, in every place where I cause my name to be remembered. I will come to you and bless you. If you make an altar of stone for me, you shall not build it of cut stones. For if you wield your tool on it, you will profane it. And you shall not go up by steps to my altar, so that your nakedness will not be exposed on it. How ready were you today to hear the complaints of people? Well, doesn't that happen all the time? But this is nothing new. The Bible is full of Israel complaining. And it's important to understand, despite everything God did for these people, they still complained. It's beyond me how they were able to do that. But it really shouldn't be that surprising, you know, because we easily forget ourselves. And I am very much guilty of this, too. Especially in times of peace, when things are going well, we tend to forget the Lord. And when, when things get a little bit hard, then we remember the Lord or we say, hey, what happened? I thought you were doing everything good for me. No, that's you're not understanding. I don't have to do that, but I will, if you trust me, I will give you everything you need. So we see this story about the introduction of manna. I don't understand how these people did not like manna. Did you see how it was described? It was described as the taste of coriander seed, like a wafer with honey. That sounds delicious. 
And that's what the name of manna is. Manna literally means, in the Hebrew, what? What is it? That's basically what it means, is manna is what is it? Because they, they didn't understand how that worked. I mean, you can imagine seeing dew on the ground, and then when the dew dries off, you just see this little flaky thing on the ground, and that's the bread that they ate. They got to eat bread from heaven. It tasted so good. And they gathered it. And now it says they had to gather an omer. Do we know what an omer is? An omer is about two quarts, a little over two liters of bread to gather for every person. So that was what they were instructed to do. And if they got greedy, well, then they wouldn't eat it all, and it would end up going bad and rotting. But you would see on the sixth day that double the manna would be available to them, because miraculously, for one, normally it would just rot the next day and be covered with worms, but for the Sabbath day, he would make the exception for that. And on the sixth day, they would gather double, allowing them to have food available for the seventh day. God knew what he was doing, and he was establishing his Sabbath. He wanted the Sabbath to be made holy and to show that you don't have to do any work on the seventh day. And we'll read about this in you know, the New Testament when Jesus is talking about the Sabbath. The Sabbath is for man. He knows our frame. He knows that we are but dust, right? And he knows that if we work ourselves too hard, that we will be exhausted and we will be ineffective. He created the Sabbath for us. That's why in today's world, and we'll get into it here shortly with the Ten Commandments, but um, it's important that we take a day to rest and because our body needs it. God did it for this purpose, not only for us to sit and remember him and worship him, but also to rest because our bodies need it. So make it a priority that you don't work seven days a week. One day needs to be a resting day. Maybe not where you're doing absolutely nothing like they were told to do in the Old Testament, but a day that you would rest, that you would sleep more, that you would not do as much physical work, but you would just allow your body to recover. That is important. Okay, and then, so they complained about the food. God dealt with them with the food. And if you notice as well, it says at the end of chapter 16 that they took a jar and they put an omer full of manna in it to keep it with the testimony. What is the testimony? That is the Ark of the Covenant. And they haven't made the Ark of the Covenant yet, but when they do make the Ark, a couple of things that are in the Ark, the manna, jar of manna, which had never rotted, it was a perpetually good thing of manna because they preserved it and God preserved it. And then the other one is going to be the rod, the rod of Aaron, which we'll see later. Then we see them complaining first about food and now they're complaining about water. 
saying, you brought us out here and you're not giving us anything to drink. Who do you think you are? And every time it happens, they're like, why are you arguing with me? <laughs> and Moses is like, your, your problem's not with me. Your problem is with the Lord. Do you trust he'll take care of you? Obviously not. Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? You don't think God knows what he's doing. And we do that too, don't we? We see when we struggle sometimes or when we think we are in need. And we're like, Lord, where are you? You see me suffering here. Why are you letting this happen? God knows what he's doing at all times. We have to trust him with the little things. And that's exactly what he did. He had it all planned out, and he knew that he was going to have Moses go to Meribah, and they were going to have water. Then we see the defeat of the Amalekites. These are uh, Amalek, if you remember the name Amalek, through the genealogies that we read. Amalek was the name of Esau's grandson. And the reason why God does not like Amalek, there's a lot to it, but in the basic thing is they did a sneak attack on Israel here. They attacked Israel from the rear, kind of like a, a herd of zebra, and you have a lion chasing after them. The lion is going to go for the weak and sick ones, the ones that are easy to pick off. And that's exactly what they did, too. And in their cowardice and in their very foul tactics, God hated them for attacking their, his people. So he, it is in their law that any time they, they meet an Amalekite, they're supposed to kill them throughout history. So very interesting that he established that. It says here, the Lord has sworn, right? The Lord has sworn that he will have war against Amalek from generation to generation. This is going to be a perpetual thing. And this is also where God also establishes another name for himself. The Lord is my banner. Yahweh Nisi. Yahweh Nisi. The Lord is my banner. And then we see the story of Jethro coming to meet and I mean, if, if Moses is over 80 years old at this point, I can only imagine how old Jethro is. Probably about 100, if I were to guess. And he goes and meets, you know, the, the camp of Israel and brings his wife and his sons to him. And he gives Moses some good advice. You see, Moses is trying to do everything himself, kind of like a king. He, he's a judge, he's prophet, he's ruler. He's trying to govern everything by himself and it's too much i mean remember how many people there are remember what it said a couple chapters back that when they came out of egypt it was about six hundred thousand men so you're talking about at least a million and a half or almost two million people total and he was one man sitting night and day dealing with all their complaints imagine i mean Imagine hearing complaints all day, every day. That wears you out. It certainly does. And Jethro saw an opportunity. He's like, look, you need to delegate some of this to where you could focus as the spiritual leader and let these other men lead. Some would be more like governors. 
some be more like area leaders, some be more like family leaders, so on and so forth. The delegate, let them deal with the minor stuff. You go with the major stuff. But they, they deal with the minor stuff. So it, that's kind of like, you also see a parallel of that in the church today. You see, let the leader, the spiritual leader, the pastor, govern certain things, but he needs to be made available for the major things, as well as he needs to have time to prepare for the spiritual leadership side of things. If he just stopped dealing with all the minor stuff all day, he's not going to get anything done. So that's why they appoint ministry leaders and deacons and elders, all these different uh, groups, volunteers, to handle these other tasks that a pastor does not need to do so that he could be a proper spiritual shepherd, which is what Moses was to them. So you see some parallels in, in the world today as to what God established long, long ago. So then they came to Sinai. And this was an amazing thing because Moses was told what God was going to do, but God literally came down at Mount Sinai with a dark cloud. His presence was there. And what you read in chapter 20 is God speaking to all of Israel with an audible voice. He is saying this to them. You can imagine. You, you want to know what my expectations are for you? It's going to come straight out of my mouth. And I think this is important to, to note that God spoke this himself with an audible voice. That's why at the end of it, they were freaked out. Like, if God keeps speaking to us like this, we're going to die. We can't handle this. And uh, that's why they said, well, you, you talk to him, Moses, because we, we can't handle this. This is too much. But he said, don't be afraid. God has come in order to test you. And most importantly, in order that the fear of him may remain with you so that you will not sin. He wanted them to be afraid of him. Again, not Fear of the Lord is in, be trembling in his sight, um, intimidated by him, but to show that he is so much greater than us, he should be respected, and we should be in awe in his presence. And we should tremble at his sight, surely. And that is why he did what he did. He wanted them to, he wanted to set the record straight himself. This is what I expect, straight from his mouth but also that they may be afraid of him, to know his awesomeness. Now, if you read the actual Ten Commandments, we, we, know, we hopefully know the Ten Commandments, because this is the basis of a lot of things. But did you know there are some groups that call themselves Christians that have altered this list? Now, let me say that it is very dangerous to alter the Word of God. There's many places in the Bible where it says you do not add or take away from God's word. But because it is an inconvenience for some religions, they have modified the Ten Commandments. More specifically, the Roman Catholic Church. The Catholic Church changed 
one of these commandments and erased it completely. And instead of it being these ten, there's one that's not here. It's the second commandment. You shall not make for yourself an idol. That is not in the Catholic Bible. How convenient. And, and why is that? Because you go, if you know anything about the Catholic Church, it is steeped in idolatry. I pass by a Catholic church all the time to go to my local church. They have signage saying that come in and adore the Eucharist, a, a golden statue that you're supposed to worship. They also have a garden on both sides of the church, a garden with a statue of Jesus and a statue with Mary. And both of those are adoration, adoration gardens. And you're supposed to worship in those gardens, worship the statues. That's idolatry. And, I mean, it, and there's, I mean, that's just the icing on the cake. You go into a Catholic church and there's idolatry everywhere. It fit what they wanted in their narrative. So it was removed. And instead of it being this one as one of the Ten Commandments, they split up the final commandment. You shall not covet your neighbor's house or their goods. That's a separate commandment. And then they made a second one being you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. So they split up the tenth one. There's a very dangerous thing in doing that. Which, by that alone, and I'll just say it, it invalidates the Catholic Church. They are not a true Christian church. They are one of Satan's masterpieces, if, if you will. Be not beautiful to us as believers, but beautiful to the world. It is one of his crowning achievements. That and Islam. Islam and Catholicism are two of his biggest lies on the face of this earth. And the world is taken captive by them. Over between the two of them, easily over 2 billion people are either Catholic or Muslim. And we can definitely get into that sometime. I did do a while back, I did do a deep study on Roman Catholicism. And for my church, I did a 13-week Bible study on Roman Catholicism. So when the time comes, I will go over that with us as well. But um, not yet. We're not there yet. But I am interested in studying Islam and, and learning more about that. And what I do know right now, there's a lot in there that they are so anti-Christ, it's not even funny. So God has very specific rules that he intends for us to follow. If we follow these, we are, we are acceptable. And they're the basis of a lot of government. I mean, in, in fact, the United States uses this level of morality in its basic law. And your average human being knows the difference between right and wrong. We may choose to ignore what's right, but it, deep down, everyone knows that certain things are wrong, certain things are right. Your average person knows it's not okay to kill someone. Your average person knows it's not okay to steal. There are some people that do it anyway, but they know that it's not right, and they don't care. And that's 
a terrible way to be. We have to care for what God wants for us. So that concludes our study for today. Um, as we go into it tomorrow, we will be going to the more expanded law as well as the beginning of the building of the tabernacle. So that's interesting how the religious system and the government of the Israelites is being developed by God himself. And we will be talking about that more in the coming days. Until next time, I'm Ryan. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time. God bless.